0: Jesus didn't care about what you, if you didn't have Christ, you had nothing. You could have all the millions of dollars and anything you ever wanted in this world. God could give you everything that your heart desires on this side of life. But if he didn't give you the salvation that you have, you'd be the poorest person on this earth. There's no discrimination with God. Everybody's a sinner and needs his help. And we know that sometimes it's very easy to jump on those times, especially when we're mad or we're angry. How many of us remember in 9-11 when we found out how that all went down? All of a sudden, surfing topics started coming out. Camel jockeys and towel heads and all those kinds of phrases that were spoken about people. People who God died for, who wants to help. Instead, we did these blanket statements. And we see the prejudices in our world today very blatantly. But we have them in our own hearts. We need to change that. First, the Bible says to us that man has God has created man in His image. And so we're to respect no matter whether they're poor or rich, they're, they're unsightly. We need to still love them. We need to reach out to them. If they're undesirable and they're dirty, I can remember we had a couple that came to our church and she even had sores on her body and they were not clean. And to be able to walk up to them and put my arm around them to show the people that they're loved by God just as you are in your clean outfit. You see, it takes the humility to reach out to a person like that and realize that you're a sinner just like them and to love them. Even when they're unloving, they're not easy to deal with. I had a person come out of church today, and she said, You know what? You spoke to my heart, because I went to Eric Fisher's not too long ago to get my hair done. And she said, You know what happened? They gave me this guy who was tat all over. He had a a hook in his nose, and he was wearing all this kind of bling, And she said, I had made this judgment. I think, oh, I hope I don't come out of here with purple hair. And then all of a sudden she said, he was the nicest guy and did a great job on my hair. But I had made that prejudicial judgment about him. You see, it's so easy to discriminate. I know I grew up in a church in New Jersey that was in the ghetto. I am so grateful that I grew up, into that, up in that church, even though it wasn't big. What had happened is when, when we had the white flight and black people started moving into the neighborhood and the white just kept on flying out of the neighborhood of Patterson and into the suburbs, we continued to go to that church and tried to minister. I remember my dad clearing glass off the baseball field behind the church from broken bottles of alcoholics and dirty syringes and clearing the field so that he could bring the kids in from the neighborhood, and they could learn how. One of those guys was named was Joey Briggs, who later on played for the Philadelphia Phillies and then became a guard in the Passaic County Jail. That was one of the kids my dad affected and talked to them about Christ. He'd have the ball game, teaching the basics about baseball. They'd play a game, and then afterwards, just before it got dark, he'd share the gospel. And I remember his, one of the parents was talking about it and said, Well, why do you like to go to that Sunday school? because they treat me like people. You see, because they loved them. I can remember my mother pulling those little bug things out of people's hair and taking their coats and bagging them up so that uh, nobody else with the bugs wouldn't spread and, and how she would, they would love those kids. And I remember one got hit and my, and by a car and my dad and I went up to see him several times and he made it through and he ran track later on. But you see, that's what God calls us to do. And it happens sometimes when we isolate ourselves or push ourselves away. James tells us it's so important. It's part of the royal law. And he speaks about the royal law, and he goes on to speak about it. And he says, Listen, my brothers, beloved brothers, and he's talking about us as a family. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in their faith, heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? These people had lost everything, some of these believers. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honor of the name in which you are called? If you really love the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor and yourself. That's the royal law. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Well, he says a lot here in this passage right here. He says, number one, why does he say God favors the poor? It's not because they're poor. But it's the attitude that happens in life. That if you're poor and you have nothing, oftentimes poor people will reach out and depend on God Rather than a a, a system of government, it used to be that they would depend on God. And when you have money, it's very easy. And the, the Bible says this. Jesus says this. He says it's harder. Not hard. It's harder for a rich man to come to eternal life because he can depend on his wherewithal to get him a lot of things. But when a rich man learns and discovers that he's just the same and needs Christ and accepts Christ in his life, it's a wonderful thing. But it's harder for rich people to do that because they can depend on their wealth and their ability to buy and sell. Whereas the poor man has nothing in his pocket. He understands the poverty. And when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in the Sermon on the Mount, he wasn't talking about poor financially. He was talking about people who are poor in their spirit who understand that they have nothing before God and they need his salvation to forgive them and to change them and make them new. That's what he was talking about. And that as he goes on, he says, don't you understand? The rich people are the ones who are going to throw you into prison if you don't do what they, although I don't think we do that much today, but drag you to court when you don't pay your bills. And are they not the ones who blaspheme the honor of the name of Jesus? Then he says the royal law. This is already looking back to Leviticus in the Old Testament. That you shall love your... It's written in the codes. And, and, and there's some things that the religious people, Christians even, we forget. And he says you've got to love your neighbor. No matter where they're coming from, no matter what they're going through, we need to love it. And we need to do it well. And he says if you don't, you're committing sin, and you're convicted of transgressing against the law of God. Now, this is pretty heavy to them. But he wants them to understand that not to discriminate. And you see, what he's doing here, it's like Vince Lombardi. One time, they lost a game of football to a team that they should have just wiped off the face of the earth. And he was so mad. He said, after you guys get done and dressed, we're going to have a meeting right after this. And he sat him down and said, he pulled out a football and he said, you fellas, this is a football. Now, can you imagine telling to Steve, Steve, let me show you something. This is where C is. And bang on it. These guys have been playing football for almost 20 years. And he says, this is a football. Because they had forgotten the basics, which is blocking, tackling, throwing, and catching. And instead, they didn't do it during the game. And he felt that they needed to be... Well, this is James saying to us, Hey, guys, we need to remember the royal law. This is the law that all great societies subscribe to and kings subscribe to, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we lose that, and that's what we're losing in our society today, the crumbling down of the, 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 the supports of society will crumble. Khrushchev said it. He said, we're not going to beat America through military aid. He says, they're going to implode upon themselves as they lose the value systems that they have today. And that's what we're seeing before us. And here, James is saying, this is your football. You love your neighbor as yourself and truly obey that. And when you do that, this is what happens That we begin to build a healthy, not a dysfunctional church. And that we walk in. You know, it's interesting how prejudice and our sinful nature can be prejudiced. There was a company that decided they were going to make coats. Rain jackets. And they hired a couple actors to work in the subways of New York City. And they had these guys in beautiful London fog trench coats. And they go, hey, do you have... A couple bucks I can get on the subway because I forgot my wallet at home, and I'm not going to be able to get it. And people were very generous to them. Then what they did, the same actors, they put them in black trench coats, let them get a little rough fond beard, and say, "Hey, can you afford I need?" I left my wallet same, and they wouldn't get it. In fact, they'd yell at them. They'd curse them. And it was all the matter of their perspective. Well, the same thing happens to us. Sometimes we can get knocked off by our egos, our pride, our selfishness, and we can make prejudgments of other people and be totally wrong and miss the point. And you see, what James is saying here is so incredible to us that we need to get back to that basics Because what happens here, and he says, this is why it's such a transgression of sin. Because he says, you are breaking the whole law of God. For whatever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of them. For he who said, do not commit adultery, and also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder... You have become a transgressor of the whole law. Now, how is that possible? What do you see? The unity of the law. Those ten commandments were given by God, and they're a one whole cohesive thing. And when we commit a a transgression against the law of God, just one. What it does, it covers the whole law. We're disregarding God. We're spitting in his face. And all the things that lead up to that sin are part of that. And that covetousness brings it all together. And what he's saying here, when you commit that law, you are such failing at all the laws of God because God is angry because you dissed him in everything. When you don't obey his law in one area, you're going to dissent him in the other. And it's, it's totally one thing. Now, how could that be? You see, one of the things that the Bible shows us is that Jesus says it in Matthew 7, that, you know, if you even do it in your mind, you're actually doing it in your life. And what he's saying here is that your heart and mind are a total being. Jews believed that they were one being. They were not mind and body or mind and, 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 and body. They were a total being. This is the Jewish thought. This is what God created us to be as one full unit. And he created the one full unit of the Ten Commandments. And that when we miss one, we miss them all. And that's why we need Christ so dearly in our lives. Because we're a transgressor of God's will. And you see, it's kind of like this. I, I found this illustration that really, I think, tells us what God is thinking about through James. He says there was a base, a softball team in the Olympics back in 1996, Summer Olympics, and it was a girls' softball team was playing. It was the fifth inning. Tide zero zero, and little Danny Taylor gets up and unloads a bomb and hits a home run. And they are so excited, and she's running around the bases first, and then hits second and third. And when she comes in, they're so excited and so mobbing. And then she goes in and she missed the base. She didn't hold home right. And the catcher from Australia and the coach were watching, and they said, and the rump gave them a new ball, and the catcher ran into the dugout and tagged out Danny, and the umpires called her out. And the home run didn't count. She hit all the other bases, but didn't hit home plate. And what happened was then they played at a tie until the 10th inning when Australia got up and hit a home run with, two, with a person on and won 2-0 that game. And that home run was discounted. Well, the same thing, you can hit all the other bases, but if you don't hit home plate with God, we're transgressing all the sins. And that we're... Guilty of all the sins that we are are in the Ten Commandments. And that's why we need Christ, of course. But also, James is trying to get them to understand how serious a problem this is. And so what we need to do then is, the prescription is, to make sure we hit all the bases. And that we aren't prejudiced. That we, number one, the Bible says here, accept each other and Christ accepted you. Number one, that we accept people for who they are. Now, acceptance doesn't mean that I agree with them, that I affirm the way they're living their lives. No, I don't. I had a guy who I once I, I loved him and I accepted him, but he was committing adultery. And I went and spoke to him about it because I loved him and knew that it was wrong in the eyes of Christ. And that Christ has accepted me and loved me and forgiven me. He can do the same for them. But he's destroying his marriage. He's destroying his children. He's putting everything out there and he's destroying it. And so the Bible says for us to accept and love people. No matter where they come from. I mean, we've, we, we've had people in my sister's house and, and, and friends that are, are gay. and We love them. We accept them because we care about them. We care about their souls. And so we accept them, but we don't agree with what they buy into. We don't approve of that. And they know it. But we accept them in Christ. Because Christ accepted us as sinners. That we appreciate people. Look what it says. Let each esteem others better than them, them themselves, that we tell them how much we appreciate, the things that we see in their lives. There's wonderful things that people have, no matter where you come from, that you can help them to see and appreciate, and that God has a special purpose for them in life and wants to save them. And then also see like Jesus did that with the woman at the well. Jesus had nothing in common with her. She was basically a Samaritan who hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. She was a woman. No man should ever talk to a woman at a well like that and being a a dirty Samaritan. And yet Jesus did because he showed her, he accepted her and basically led her to the truth. And we need to accept and appreciate those people, Let them know it and then affirm them affirm and not tear them down, not put them down, but to lovingly affirm them and care for them. And Jesus did that. It's so easy to say a negative thing rather than a positive thing, but that's what we're supposed to do. We're to affirm them. And so here's Jesus' prescription. You know, it's so easy to make those judgmental statements. I was reading about a woman who's a sixth-grade teacher on the California highway. Broken down, not knowing what to do, and traffic is buzzing by her, and a guy in a big truck pulls by and pulls her off the road. And then a guy in a motorcycle, and he said, Sorry, lady, I don't know how to fix cars, but at least you're not in danger. And here comes this motorcycle pulling right up. Guy's tattooed. Big leather jacket. Chain hanging on his hip. He gets out of the car. Out of his motor, off his myrtle circle and starts working and she sees Hell's Angels. Oh! She said, oh, am I in trouble? And he works on the car for an hour. Gets it running. And then when she says thank you to him, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't realize how talented you were. He winked at her and said, hey, honey, don't judge a book by its cover. Because he knew he helped her. And she knew, he knew what she was thinking about him. She probably thought she was going to get killed. But instead, he helped her out because he turned her head. And here the Bible then says in the present so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And what James is saying here is that, folks, we don't need to judge. We can be discerning, but we don't need to judge. Because when we judge somebody else, by our standards, number one, we're setting ourselves up as God. And that we are better than them. But secondly, we're doing something very dangerous. Because we're setting ourselves for the judgment of God. And if God judges us like we would judge somebody else, that mercy doesn't come of Christ. And so what he's saying here, folks, if you want the mercy of Christ, you better act like Christ and be merciful to each other and love them and stand by them and help them as Christ would. And we've seen that again and again in our world. One of my favorite stories, Chicago, White Sox. It was the first man, first black man who went to play in the major leagues by the name of Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson would be put down and yelled at, cursed at. Because nobody wanted but Branch Rickey took him and wanted to play him because he knew what a kind of an athlete he was. He saw behind the color. And then one day, during a game, Jackie Robinson bobbled the ball and committed an error. And the hoots and the yelling and all kind of derogatory things were being said and screamed at Jackie Robinson and he was about to ready he said I was about ready to just give it all up he said I was about ready to throw it up and get out of there and all of a sudden he felt an arm around him it was a shortstop by the name of Pee Wee Reese who put his arm around Jackie Robinson And all of a sudden, the stadium went quiet because he stood by a man who he didn't judge by color. But instead, he encouraged him to continue on and break the color barrier in the nation and sports. You see, that's what God calls us to do. To stand up for Christ and love people and brotherly love. Let's pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you today for this lesson that you've given to us, because we all can play favorites. We all can like people that are more like us, look like us. But I thank you, God, that you're a God who cares and loves us, has accepted us as we are, and then has taken us And put yourself on the cross to wash away our sins and give us eternal life. Help us to be willing to sacrifice for all those that are in need. And to love them the way you would, Christ. Help us to accept them, and to encourage them. And to lead them to the way of life for each person that needs to see the wonderful life, the bread of life, you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's close with our benediction and closing of our closing soul. And now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Seek ye-